Podcast number 10. Our guest today is from the company Her Universe. It's Mr. Dan Madsen. Hello, fanboys and fangirls. Welcome to the Rogue Planet Podcast. I'm Jason McClellan, and today I'm hanging out with my friends, Caleb Hanks, and we've got Ryan Sprague joining us today. Oh, I thought you almost forgot my name there for a second. Well, I almost did, and then I remembered it, but then I couldn't decide if I wanted to give you some sort of secret nickname to keep you anonymous. Oh, yes. Uh, my anonymity is uh, definitely favorable. Yeah. I, I know in uh, other circles in which we run, my friend, sometimes that's important. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> we so, won't get into that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, first, we'll start off with you, Ryan. How was your week? Oh, my week has been uh, pretty crazy, man. Um, doing the whole NYC thing, meetings left and right, uh, projects left and right. Um I'm just I'm one of those people who can't say no to things just cuz you never know when the next project is going to come up or uh what's not going to work out and just constantly craving the next creative thing, you know. And uh yeah, man, it's getting expensive. I uh <laughs> all the all these people and companies and all that, they all they all want to go out to lunch or dinner. I'm like, "Can we just grab, you know, a coffee or right. Reese's pieces or something?" It's yes. just it's crazy. So uh, my bank account is dwindling fast with all these meetings, but hopefully something will come of it. <laughs> well, it'd be amazing if you could, I don't know, just make it acceptable. Just come up with something new that would be like a new twist on the meeting. And I, I wonder what people would say if you said, hey, let's grab some Reese's Pieces. Yeah, it's the new what? it's the new hipster way of having meetings in yes. Brooklyn. You know? I know exactly what they would say to Reese's Pieces. They'd be like, out. <laughs> if they did, then you know that you've uh, struck a nice chord there, and you're good. Dude, E.T.'s E.T.'s got to be looking for some work. He hasn't worked since the eighties. Uh, well, he yeah. was, he wasn't looking so good in the eighties. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. that part when he was all gray and looked like an old dog turd was scary. It was very it, scary. Even healthy E.T. didn't look so so good. I mean, his body was off and he kind of like waddles around. And those like sausage fingers, man, those creeped me out. Yeah, and E.T. was like 16 in that movie. Can you imagine what he looks like now? I actually just watched that a few nights ago. And uh, I never realized this. I don't know if you guys realize this. The kid who plays Elliot in that movie, mm-hmm. um, the only other movie that he's he's really done or that I've seen him in was uh the Fire in the Sky movie which oh, is that's kind nice. of kind of interesting. Right. Yeah, that talk about right. pigeonholing. <laughs> ET ET's like I'm coming back for you bitch. <laughs> so yeah. I mean his fingers always were just like creeped me out because there's such a focus in that movie. <laughs> and in uh Star Wars um Empire Strikes Back where Luke goes to Dagobah and meets Yoda, 
before mm-hmm. he knows Yoda is Yoda and Yoda's crawling around in his in his case there and playing with the flashlight and everything. Uh, he steals his food. It's like a piece of sausage or something. He says, how do you get so big eating food of this kind? You know, and when I see that sausage or whatever it is, that makes me think of E.T. Finger. It just, anything weird like that makes me think of that E.T. Finger, and I'm forever terrorized by E.T.'s finger. You, yeah, you gotta they... wonder. Oh, sorry, Caleb. I was gonna say, oh, yeah. you gotta wonder if uh, Spielberg and Lucas <laughs> An intentional, planned this all yeah. along. Oh, know, yeah. They, like, they, focus they, on the fingers. That's right. You're gonna <laughs> love it. That's right. They went to uh, they went to breakfast at Shoney's, and there are the little like <laughs> sausage things. They're like, "Hot damn! I know this, what we're doing. This for is it. Fingers. We've got to use this. Yeah. <laughs> it's the next revolution of sim- cinematography. Inspiration, we'll make, inspiration we'll make, has come up. from Stranger Places, I'm sure. Oh, uh, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what we'll do. Et will have light up sausages. <laughs> <laughs> so, Caleb, how how was your week? Well, I can't remember my last week. Actually, I do remember my last week, but it was really, really weird. So I'm not going to get into it because it's only going to make me mad. Not really. Um, But this coming week, I can't tell if it's going to be really, really awesome or if it's really going to suck. Because uh, the weather here has been like going between 30 and 70 degrees uh, every other day. And so my sinuses feel like they're going to explode and I can't tell if I'm just being destroyed by my sinuses or if I'm actually coming down with a cold but tomorrow I have to go I have to leave in the morning and be on the road and drive to I think Brunswick Georgia and I'm going to stay with some people me and Micah my brother for all you people out there that may not know him uh, we're going to be touring a nuclear submarine, which is pretty rad. Wow. And then we're going to be playing three nights on an island uh, with the Bluegrass Band, and I am probably going to die. It's going to be some real <laughs> Lord of the Flies shit by the end of it all. So, Yeah, with those uh, temperature fluctuations, I was going to say, I, I don't know how your body would uh, handle that because yeah, body doesn't I, I like mean, that. Is... Is the submarine going to be submerged? That that might help your sinuses, to be honest. I think my head would just explode in that regard, but uh, yeah. no, it's 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 not in the water anymore. It's just kind of sitting. I out. assumed as such. Yeah, they're gonna let me drive it, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so shortly afterwards, we're gonna be in a war with Portugal <laughs> and everyone else. Yeah, exactly. How did you send nukes to everyone, even America? <laughs> uh, speaking of your brother, I saw him uh, this past week, Caleb. Yeah, he I was know. in my neck of the woods. He uh, did. Did he? Te- did he elaborate on how he enjoyed New York? Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure it took a few hours for him to elaborate to you. Um, yeah. but he's he seemed to be enjoying himself. Uh, Quite profusely, you know, um, just like a just like a little kid looking everywhere, which way. This is so cool. This is so cool. Uh, and we got the uh, the professional tour by our mutual friend Peter Robbins, uh, giving us the history of New York. And uh, yeah, it was a good time. Good time had by all. Yeah, um, I've lived here in New York City for almost six years now, and I was I felt like a tourist again. It was fantastic. What I had so much fun. Uh... When I walked around with Peter Robbins, he is a fantastic walking tour guide and knows so much of the history. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, after living in New York, um, 
but then going back after the fact with Peter and walking some of the places I'd never been. Exactly. Um, he just knew it's, so much, and it was fun to be a tourist there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had dinner with Peter last night at a uh, authentic authentic Chinese restaurant. Um, I never go down to Chinatown unless I'm buying a rip-off purse for my mom for Christmas, but um, it, it was fantastic. It's a part of, the, uh, of New York that I would never venture to, and you right. just – you remember, like, you turn one corner, and it's an entirely different world. You know, I just put this together as you yeah. were saying that. But, yeah, Peter took me to Chinatown, too. And I think mm-hmm. I think the reason he knows that area so well, I mean, he lived down there. But yes. I, I think maybe he feels more comfortable because there are people that are typically his size. <laughs> that is true for those who don't know. Peter is a, a whopping maybe four foot eight um <laughs> I, i'm pushing he might be more five, than that May, maybe he might um, be he might he be makes a, me feel like a giant yeah i love hanging around him because he makes me feel tall as well yeah he's like i changed my name from baggins as soon as i moved to new york <laughs> good old peter we love peter oh he's fantastic uh so caleb were you going to elaborate on uh, micah's love for new york no, not really. But I could elaborate a little bit more on my experiences in New York City. Oh, let's hear it. Because every single time, well, well, my experiences in New York uh, in general, and I guess this brings us to another section of Caleb Hanks' crazy stories from the vault where he almost dies and doesn't. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So, my, uh, ex- my second time in New York, we'll leave the first time for a more infamous uh, period. Uh, my second time in New York City, I was uh, <clears throat> I played a show in Brooklyn at the Charleston with my old band, the Nova Echo, and then we were playing um, Camp Bisco in Albany, which is the Disco Biscuits uh, dubstep festival, and <laughs> and uh, and this is the only time that I've ever felt like I was in a third world country. We roll in at about six o'clock in the morning. Uh, the Hell's Angels, I think, are the security, and they take all of our glass bottles. So then we uh, head in, and there's, you know, tents everywhere. There's, you know, shit tons of people at this thing. And uh, as as the sun is coming up, uh, there's one guy laying on the ground with his tongue hanging out of his head who is probably dead. I know a few people died at the show that, that night we were there. What? Uh, yeah, doing... Um, they... they dehydrated um doing molly incorrectly they did not hydrate properly and they uh they ended up dying um all right so so that was fun uh then we we were trying to get our way to our stage where we're playing and i am saying to one of my friends these people are going to eat us these people are cannibals and like pretty much as soon as i said that this guy comes out of the bushes out of the woods with a spear with a baby doll head on the end of it like and just shakes his hands at the at the at the van we're driving and just goes ah! <laughs> and I was like okay well this is a good uh, a good uh, start to the show so anyway we we played at like 11:30 nobody knew who we are so not a lot of people watched and that's you know that happened. So then after that, none of us had eaten anything and we just started drinking like Budweiser heavy all day long. And then it's just like rainstorms and just craziness and people covered in mud. And at one point I was like, 
up on top of this thing dancing like a gargoyle with my tongue hanging out of my head just because I'd had enough to drink to do that. And then uh, then by the end of the night, I was wearing a Perry Ellis shirt and I fell back in the mud and rolled around in it and completely destroyed it the first time I ever wore it. And uh, And that was the strangest day of my life. Well, one of the strangest. Yeah, and that was in Albany. I was in Albany, New New York, Knickerbocker Arena, nineteen ninety three, best Royal Rumble in history. Nature Boy Ric Flair. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Clearly, uh, Caleb and I both grew up on the WWF. Sorry, WWE. As it I actually, I actually didn't. That's just from a Reggie in the Full Effect song. <laughs> okay, uh, neither, neither did I. Disregard that. <laughs> well played. How you doing, Jason? Well, I am fantastic as always. I well, before I talk about my week, I want to just so I don't forget before we get into everything else. I do want to mention that coming up in a bit, we have a fantastic interview this week with. Mr. Dan Madsen. Uh, we love Dan Madsen. Dan, for those of you who don't know, uh, has a very envious and geeky past. He uh, founded the official Star Trek fan club back oh, wow. in, uh, I think, late 1979, probably, and eventually published their official fan magazine, as well as the Star Wars uh, official fan club. He was running both of those. He even had a cameo in Star Wars Episode One, And now Dan works, does marketing for the fantastic company Her Universe. We'll talk more about that in the interview, but that's coming up soon. Dan Madsen is an awesome guy and so happy to have him on the show. All right, so back to my week. Uh, I... Now, this is something that I don't think anybody would be proud of. Uh, I don't know if you guys use Foursquare at all, but uh, Foursquare is an app that uh, allows you to check in to wherever you're going. And and the reason I do it is because it helps me keep track of where I've been because I usually don't remember, especially for traveling. Uh, you know, I'll, if I'm at an airport, I'll check in and it will tell me. You've been here 67 times. And I'll go, holy shit, I've been to this airport a lot of times. Uh, That's depressing. So it is. So it, it's kind of fun for me. But uh, So I use Foursquare, and I don't always check in everywhere I go. But for whatever reason, I decided uh, last week to check into my dentist. I was at my dentist for a normal checkup. And my dentist told me that I uh, needed to have an old filling chipped out and uh, because it was so close to the nerve they were going to have to put a crown on and I was like well that that sucks but better than a root canal so crown me up Mm -hmm. so I had to go back in and they were able to get me in the same week so my first appointment was Tuesday I went back in on Thursday morning to get the crown done so I checked in again and with those two check-ins within a week I became the mayor of my dentist's office (laughs) <laughs> so, all, for, all yeah. for checking in with your foreskin app yeah <laughs> but yes i don't think anybody would uh, envy me or, or or be pissed off that i ousted them as the mayor of my dentist office so i don't know anyway the the, the crown procedure was actually kind of cool uh, it makes me sound nerdy but i was actually digging it like the whole drilling process and everything i was worried about that that went just fine because i was super super loaded with novocaine but um, I guess a lot of procedures, uh, crown procedures, 
um, entail you, you know, getting whatever work done on the tooth you need, and then they will give you a temporary crown that you go home, and then, like, a couple weeks later, you come back to get the permanent crown put on uh, because they have to send everything away to a, a lab that specializes in that to have the crown made, your permanent crown. Well, my dentist apparently is high-tech, and they have everything there to do it in office. So what they did was after they drilled everything out with the tooth, they stuck something in my mouth that's like a 3D scanner that created a, a 3D scan of the of my gum and the, the tooth area where this, this crown was going. And they visualized it on this computer they had right there. They made this 3D rendering of what the crown needed to look like. And then they basically pushed print, and it sent it to sort of a 3D printer that was mm -hmm. in the next room that took this porcelain and carved out the exact shape of this crown. Dude, and that's crazy. they even let me go yeah. watch it being done. It was really cool. It just held the porcelain in place, and it was drilled out with this machine that was shooting water and then kind of drilling it. And 14 minutes later, the crown was ready, and they installed it. So it was really cool. I mean, it wasn't exactly a 3D printer, but it's basically along the lines of 3D printing technology, which, as we all know by now, is really what's going to save us all from death and destruction. 3D printers <laughs> are doing everything. That's how we're going to colonize space. That's how we're going to feed ourselves. I mean, they can, they're very close to 3D printing meat now. Um, they've got the technology to 3D print structures, actual buildings. And beyond that, they have the technology to send a printer like to to a body like the moon and the the device can use the material there just dirt on mars and print structures from that <laughs> material it's insane 3d printing is amazing no i really crazy i've uh, i was actually having the same conversation with some people a couple days ago just talking about how i wouldn't be surprised in in 10 years, <clears throat> well, I have two things to say about the whole 3D printing thing. I wouldn't be surprised in 10 years if they actually are a de decently, uh, you know, a household thing that everybody kind of has in some sort of way, shape, or form. But also, it kind of makes me wonder about how inadvertently the file sharing uh, systems like Kazaa and Napster and stuff like that literally shut down the music industry. And you have to take into consideration... What is the future of the storefront when everybody's got printable technology in their house, you know? Is it right. going to do the same thing to the storefront that, it, that we did to the music industry? Mm -hmm. it, it might to some extent. I, I see what you're saying. And, yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you're always going to have people who want to go to a storefront and see a physical product before they buy it. Um, yeah. The same thing now with, like, Zappos and other companies that sell, like, shoes online. You still have people who want to go and try the shoe on before they buy it. Mm -hmm. um, but I totally see that having, you know, name brand companies offering things that you can buy on their their online storefront. Uh, it's like a, you know, whatever 3D printing file for a shirt. You still buy it through them, but, you know, it's their plants and it's got their brand on it or whatever. So it's going to completely change how commerce overall takes place. But even sort of scarier, but I mean, it's cool and scary. Uh, last, I think it was last year, there was a scientist talking about how he wants to transport Martian life forms to Earth. And uh, what that entailed is, you know, when uh, like a microbe or something is discovered on Mars, 
they would be able to uh, transmit that digitally um, to like an email account and they would have these these printing devices that would be able to take that data that's been encoded on the surface on Mars um, and basically email it to somebody and this printer would be able to decode that and create a physical replica of that. That's wow. so crazy. So the thing that's terrifying about that, I mean, his his optimistic and, you know, wonderful utopian uh, idea with this is that you know, soon we'll be able to, with this technology, and this technology already exists, by the way, but right. we'll be able to, uh, you know, email insulin, for example. If somebody mm-hmm. needs insulin, you can email the prescription, and people can print that out on this special printer. They can get the insulin right there. Um, the scary thing about that is then thinking about the malicious uses for that, and it, exactly. gives, it gives a new meaning to an email virus. You know, somebody yeah. could send you anthrax. Right. Right. I'd like you send this email to 10 people or <laughs> right, you know, no, and you like send it and, new... and and it's totally disguised, you know, it would come from yeah. a, a masked email or whatever, somebody sending it to grandpa saying, "Here's your insulin." And grandpa, right. you know, his kids hooked him up with this cool technology and so, "Oh, that's my insulin." He pushes print and <laughs> "Bye grandpa." Well, I, it's, it's Oh, you it's... kids in your bio warfare. <laughs> It's uh, kind of more of a science fiction idea, but I mean, even in the in the realm of a little while back, there was the video of the arachnid with a laser that could, you know, pop balloons and all that crap. Who's to say that they couldn't uh, send you something that printed out some sort of demonic artificial intelligence that just destroyed your house? Right. Yeah. Well, no, that's a good point. I mean, you think of the military aspect of it, like just literally building an army of weaponization <laughs> i mean it would completely change it would be a completely new arms race in a way if you think about it actually yeah and i i've talked to some people about that before i mean we've already got the one guy that has the 3d printed the uh the the working functioning gun i mean honestly that's like a a mild democratization as far as uh, the military institution for civilians because literally you could print piece by piece all kinds of really huge weaponry and right. put it all together. It's terrifying. Well, and I I agree with your your thought that uh you know it's going to be household stuff here, but I I think it's going to come much sooner. I think it's going to be in the next couple of years really i mean i think it's like you know staples and office max they already sell 3d printers they've got these home desktop 3d printers that are already quite accessible you know they're not that expensive yeah and it's all it's always hard to say like which technologies are really going to latch on but right but something is something is revolutionary and accessible as 3d printing like i have no doubt that it has every potential in the world to just blow up. Right. I mean, uh, there are going to be so many applications for this that the applications are endless. But I think one of the easiest ones that, uh, you know, will make it kind of explode in the uh, home market is being able to print out uh, a replica of your lover's phallus. No, that's not what I was going to say. But I'm sure that will be used quite a bit. You just got to use the foreskin app. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> no, I think now, now. Thanks, you made me completely lose my train of thought. No, I think I, I think I was uh, going along the lines of photography. You know, photography's big, and the the whole selfie and everything. I mean, everybody's got a got a camera in their pocket now with cell phones. Um, so I think 
you know, 3D photos is going to be a big thing. That's going to be crazy. Yeah. I don't know yeah. exactly how that'll work, but I know I've read some stuff about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're just endless, endless applications for this. And I mean, think about, you know, for like kids or, or parents with kids, you know, you can print out toys or, I mean, they're just, I want to get a yeah, 3D printer uh, and just play with it. My roommate here in New York uh, works for, uh, uh, what is it called? CE, uh, it's a, it's one of the biggest technology companies um, on the East Coast here. Uh, and he, he actually brought home a, small 3d printed replica of himself as an action figure that's um, awesome it was incredible uh it 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 just to the most minute detail you know uh the dimples in his in his cute cheeks or uh yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. just everything um it, it's just it's incredible absolutely I, incredible i think something that could really bring on the dawn of the uh the 3d printer is uh kind of like mobile spots where they're like vending machines where basically you have uh, different phone models because the, the, the phone thing, like with all of the different versions of Samsung phones that are popping out and, and, and even though Apple is extremely popular, a lot of the Samsung phones are cheaper. And therefore, I would imagine that if you were to go to a vending machine and just, you know, print out whatever model of, of smartphone uh, here in the future, I, or, or in the next couple of years, I wouldn't be surprised if there's, you know, even shit tons more phone models to, to print out. So who knows? I can just I can see something like that really going over in like New York City, really, when you just have like so many people that are always on the go. Yeah. Well, and and that option of being able to print on demand, you know, more complicated things than like a T-shirt. You know, you're yeah. talking about technology here, printing on demand that just opens the door for endless possibilities for customization and you know people love creating a unique product you know something that's designed for their specific tastes so something like that could totally work where they you know select from the options and choose their own colors and patterns and designs yeah yeah and i mean i i think that's also like a great uh, marketplace i mean a great way to generate revenue is customization in that field yeah Mm -hmm. Well, another bit of technology news from the week. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Pebble smartwatch. Um, I kind of watch the smartwatch industry. I've mentioned it before on the show, but I'm I'm pretty excited about smartwatches, and I'm really excited to see what Apple does when they finally come out with their iWatch. But uh, Pebble is a company, and we talked about Oculus uh, last week, the uh, virtual reality company that started as a uh, Kickstarter campaign. Well, Pebble also started that way, um, but they are a kind of a big company now, and uh, yeah, they raised more than ten million dollars on Kickstarter in 2012 when they were trying to launch this thing. Well, now wow. it was announced that the Pebble smartwatch is going to be carried uh, in Target, so they're hmm. actually getting you know storefront um, spots for this thing. So I think a lot of a lot of people is, are going to be buying the Pebble smartwatch. Is this the one, Jason? I think I remember hearing about this, where like it it runs on battery, but or like a almost like a smartphone battery, but it lasts for like a week or something like that without charging. I'm not sure about something the like tech that. specs. I just know that uh, it works with both Android and iOS devices gotcha. um, through Smart. through Bluetooth, and uh, so it can display notifications like incoming incoming text messages and incoming calls. 
things like mm-hmm. that. But it also, you know, displays the time. So it's like a normal watch, but it also shows you <laughs> other things. So it's interesting. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah. getting more exposure. And, uh, you know, Samsung has been heavy in this market and Google is now working on wearable devices. Um, and Apple's been rumored to be working on one for a couple of years now, but there's been nothing, nothing official from Apple about mm-hmm. a smartwatch, but it's coming and I'm sure it'll come this year. Yeah. Uh, Samsung, some... uh, Samsung seems to be making a, some headway ever since the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Samsung's a great company. I mean, they, they're putting out some of the, the best technology right now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Some of their stuff is crap, but you know, they're, they're one of the companies that I believe in strongly. So, I think there's some interesting uh, technologies kind of sprouting out of the whole um, uh, smartwatch or wearable technology kind of thing, getting into the realm of um, wireless charging being more yeah. readily available. And and not to mention, just, just by virtue of what these things need to do or by the virtue that we're basically trying to make the, the new age watch, I think that there's going to probably be a lot of innovation as far as battery life goes that can potentially go into our bigger devices later on, finding new ways to to uh, make these things last longer, and that's really exciting. Because I mean, I have a I have a iPhone 5s, and I really never have a problem with how long the battery lasts. But you could always use a few more hours for sure. <laughs> that's very true. I'll I'll listen to three songs on my iPhone. I'm like, how am I at 35 percent now? It's ridiculous. <laughs> I just yeah. took it off the charger, and three Hall and Oates songs <laughs> later, I'm dead. I know. Ugh, those Hall and Oates are exhausting. That must be it. I don't know, man. I gotta quit listening to Hall and Oates. It takes up way too much battery. <laughs> well, in a, in other tech news, I don't know if you guys heard about this story, but a uh, there was a story making the rounds today about uh, how British scientists cloned a dinosaur. I know. I I, oh, I, I yes. just knew you were going to bring this up, but it's not true. It's <laughs> I'm so bullshit. glad you knew I was going to bring it up. You know me well. Well, the, uh, the, the article yeah. that was published on this kind of phony news site called news-hound.org uh, claimed that scientists at Liverpool's John Moores University were currently incubating a baby. Uh, a potosaurus is what they call it, nicknamed Spot. A potosaurus. That's yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and they claim that they were able to create this after retrieving the creature's DNA from a fossil and injecting it into the womb of an ostrich. <laughs> and they, they even included a photo of this baby dinosaurish looking thing, which turned out to be a photo of a baby kangaroo. But uh, yeah. the whole the whole thing's fake. Here's here's my thing about this. It, it I don't give a shit that somebody put out a phony article. I don't care that somebody wanted to see if people would believe it what my biggest problem was with i could not i can't tell you how many people i saw on the book of face that were just blindly reposting the story without reading the fucking thing well that's what everybody does with every story yep And, and, and like so many people i know are just posting this and i'm like guys when i saw this headline i immediately looked it up and saw if it was a hoax it took me five seconds it you know it it didn't take very long to figure it out, and everybody just kind of reposts and reposts, and that's the way that you just propagate bullshit, man. I think it's a really ridiculous. I think it's just people are lazy. They don't want to read the damn article. That's they don't want to. Absolutely the case. That's absolutely exactly. the case, and that's it's, what Facebook is good for. I mean, it's all about the headline. Yep. 
people people look at images and headlines and nothing more. And I guess mm-hmm. that's what differentiates like the three of us from everybody else. We research shit, actually. Right. <laughs> well, that, that's, as, that's, as that's the most frustrating that thing. Is. <laughs> no, it's it's good and responsible. I I understand the lazy yeah. thing. I I do it with a lot of mainstream headlines. You know, if I see something, I'm all, oh, that sounds interesting, and I'll click that I like it or whatever and move on and plan to come back and read it later. And I usually don't. Well, but, it's like uh, the it's like the hoverboard thing recently. Did right. we talk about this? We did not yeah, talk we, about uh, this. Yeah. The, you know, it, they have this promotional video, and I think what it was, it was trying to drum up funding to actually create a hoverboard. But in the presentation, which actually had like Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future and and a couple of different other celebrities, like I think Moby was in there for some reason. All this, <laughs> like weirdly enough, but like they're they're having these people that are obviously on wires flying around in this bullshit video. And I see all these people posting online, finally it's here. Oh my God, I can't believe this is real. And it's like, you dumbasses, it isn't real. Look, right. there's wires. This It's bullshit. And you could read up and find out that it was bullshit, but they don't want that. They don't They don't want to do the work. Right. No, it's, it's, it's literally, I mean, and I think we can all agree on this as human beings, that social networking has... Uh, influenced us so much in a way that we need an immediate response from anybody. It doesn't yeah. matter who it is. We need to post something and they need to tell us, yeah, I agree, or no, I disagree. It doesn't matter where the source came from. It's just that immediate response that we all crave because we have that at our fingertips. You know, We just want those fucking likes. We That's need right. those likes, man. We need those likes. likes. Remember Pokes? Whatever happened yeah. to Pokes? I get weirded out when people poke me. Let's, I know it's let's, it's uncomfortable. Let's let Pokes stay gone. Let's I don't let's, like to bring those. R.I.P. Pokes. That was that was always really freaky when people would poke me. <laughs> oh, I don't know you. Stop poking me. It's yeah. it's it's weird to try to 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 sit back and look at technology uh, in a in a in a very you know objective manner because for me you know I think we're all pretty big tech nerds like. I love technology. It's exciting. It's some of the coolest. Our, our recent developments, developments in technology are like some of the coolest things that have ever happened on planet Earth ever. But then again, like you really do have to sit back and look and say, are these things affecting people negatively? And if so, like how the hell do you if 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 you can't get the masses to to sit back and just kind of look at things and assess the situation, and say, is this healthy for me? You can at least, you know see what's good for you and see if you're spending way too much time with your face glued to your smartphone, which I definitely know I am. (laughs) Oh my God. It's, I couldn't agree more, man. And I mean, you look at like the recent, what NASA um, coming forward and saying, you know, yeah, our civilization is going to crumble any day now, you know, Um, just civilizations fall, you know, they get to a certain point with their, uh, advances in technology their advances in uh every aspect and uh it's it's cyclical and um terrifying in a way to have nasa telling us yeah our civilization is going to fall any day now um (laughs) and you wonder you wonder how if these advances in technology um are furthering us or if they're hindering us or both and uh what the actual balance of that might be that's funny i think i talked a little bit about this on uh, an episode of Hangar One that was talking about uh, alleged alien technology. And alleged, I, I think I was talking about uh, how our civilization would would 
come to a standstill. It would crumble if all of a sudden we had it, we didn't have our technology. And I don't oh. think that's a stretch. I, I don't think so at all. I mean, here when we had Hurricane Sandy here in the city, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 it there were people on the street who had uh, what do you call them? Like the uh, power strips outside, being like, "You can charge your phones here," right, and yep. that was considered, you know, a huge thing. Like right. these people were helping the people of New York by letting them charge their smartphones. Right. They weren't providing water. They weren't providing food. They weren't providing shelter. They were providing electricity to charge their smartphones. Um, And I had a problem with that. I really did. You know, I mean, yes, of course, we all want to be in communication constantly, but uh, there's much more important things than uh, than being able to post on Facebook you know, surviving Sandy. Just, just <laughs> Hashtag surviving like Sandy. Hashtag <laughs> surviving Sandy. Well, surviving you know, with Greece. the with the uh, with the power infrastructure, everything being fully integrated with computer systems and everything like that. I mean, honestly, even though it's more m- easily manageable, I would I would imagine. Uh, you know, trying to look at it, uh, uh, you know, objectively. Uh, that also makes us more susceptible to terror attacks and things of the sort, EMP strikes, all kinds of crazy shit that could literally take down the whole grid in a matter of seconds. So. Stop giving people ideas. Oh, I know. <laughs> I should stop this. Sorry, guys. Sorry, That's, terrorists. I'm just kidding. Or, or you're welcome. No, it's like uh, I have some ideas of um, – because with the Clerk Chronicles con- uh, uh, comic book that I'm working on, it's you know all post-singularity world and like – there's literally a few concepts that I've thought of um, for as far as what the enemies in, in the comic book can do that I literally have not wanted to put the concepts into the comic book because I didn't want to give anybody the ideas. <laughs> Although I know, I, you know, obviously it's I don't think my comic book is very influential and a lot of people would be reading it necessarily. But then again, it's like sometimes you just don't want to put certain ideas out there into the world in the event that one day you caused everything to the shit to really hit the fan you know you do have a dark mind and sometimes that should be kept just to you (laughs) i don't have a dark mind necessarily it's more that i just i get thinking about all the possibilities with nanotechnology and all kinds of crazy stuff and i just can't stop can't stop my brain from going down certain rabbit hole holes come on think about happy things (laughs) right but you know what, Caleb? I think that's a good thing too, man, because behind you, there's one more person who's one step ahead of you in terms of using that for uh, for negative things. And yeah. Um, yeah, man, I think as long as you get those ideas out there, there's going to be one person ahead of you and one person behind you ready to use it for good or for bad. Well, talking about both catastrophe and technology i thought this was a cool story uh you know partially because i'm a big animal rights activist but also because i'm a a tech nerd the big uh blockbuster movie noah about the flood uh you know tons of animals going on the ark there are no real animals in that movie noah's ark has no real animals they That's were awesome. All created yeah. digitally by the guys at ILM, uh, Industrial Light and Magic. So mm-hmm. all the animals in that movie are fake, and there are so many of them. That's 
Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, um, I haven't seen it yet, but I imagine there are a lot of animals. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so, or else they got their uh, <laughs> they got their information sorely wrong. I just uh, hope they slip one dinosaur in. Like, oh, not that'd very be amazing noticeably. if they have a dinosaur in there. <laughs> yes, yes. We a little can late in the game, there, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, British also, scientists would be pissed. Well, yeah. <laughs> Also talking about movies, uh, it was recently announced that the amazing and highly anticipated sequel to Sharknado, Sharknado 2, the second one, uh, has been moved up. Its release date is going to be sooner than previously scheduled <laughs> by, 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 by one day. It was originally oh scheduled for July oh. 31st. It will now be July 30th. Oh, like, wow. We were gonna Thank throw in God. Some, we're going to throw in some other scenes, but this movie was already shitty enough to where we're just going to release it a day early. <laughs> well, you you know that, you know, Caleb and I both are big Sharknado fans, and, uh, man, I love this stuff. I was kind of disheartened when uh, I recently heard that Sci-Fi plans to move away from Sharknado-type movies and more mm-hmm. back towards their, like, quality science fiction series how and, dare uh, they i i know i mean have they, you guys they, seen... they are so good at their sci-fi original movies <laughs> that are just i mean they are what they are you know they're just these crappy comedy hilarious things they're so much fun to watch but i i get what they're they're trying to do and i, I think they should find a balance because i think there's a need for for both good sci-fi dramas and this just completely funny pseudo drama. Have you guys seen right. the trailer for Poseidon Rex? No, but what? I want you. That sounds perfect. It, I I'm, <laughs> I would not be surprised if it were like the exact same production companies uh, that did Sharknado. But it's basically I I'm watching the trailer right now as we speak, and basically this terrible <laughs> CG uh, dinosaur is like trying to eat people on a speedboat in the ocean and it looks really really crappy but really really awesome as well but you know honestly i don't uh, i don't really blame sci-fi for trying to get away from stuff like that because some of their recent stuff actually is pretty good like i cannot stop watching being human and it's actually a pretty damn good show well, i will it- admit i'm also a closeted continuum fan I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. It's basically Time Cop with a female. So. Yeah, and I mean every network right now – well, not every, but a lot of networks are trying to come up with their own Walking Dead. You know, Everybody wants a strong original series that they can have yeah. as their like flagship product for their network. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, with sci-fi, you know, I really am excited by the idea of them getting back to their roots with science fiction – and they've done that. I mean, they've got some good series. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, if they can push forward with that and come up with something else strong, like a, a Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica or something like that, it'd be awesome. I worry, about, I worry about the future of HBO because for so long, HBO was just the front runner and they were kicking so much ass with, like, Sex and the City and The Sopranos and, like, Entourage and all these great shows. Mm-hmm. They just recently had a lot of success with True Blood and a lot of things like that. But, like... Now I think this la- or this next season is going to be the last season of True Blood. I think the the series is kind of ending abruptly from what I understand, but I mean after that, you know, the only thing that besides Game of Thrones 
and girls. I mean, I can't really even think <laughs> of anything else that's really like kicking ass. But you've got all these other smaller companies uh, like Netflix and things that are having like House of Cards with Kevin Spacey. Yeah. And all of these other. You yeah. Know, no, it's true. I mean, they, you know, these premium networks that, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't get because they're premium networks. Um, yeah. I, I really worry about their future. Or not worry, but, you know, I wonder what it's going to be like because it doesn't look good. You're right. There are these just every other network on yeah. standard cable, uh, you know, putting out amazing content. And Netflix and these other – I mean, I think Amazon and other companies are trying to get into it too of creating original content, and it's being well-received. That's a yeah. really good point, man. I mean, it, and you, you think – and who would have thought we live in an age where – of TV revolution, almost it seems to be um, almost overshadowing movies at this point. Right. I mean, you have Netflix, you have AMC, just turning out these beyond quality television shows. Well, and, and look it, at a lot of sitcoms and 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 series that are on television right now, and you have a lot of you know superstar celebrities big movie right. stars um choosing television projects over film projects exactly yeah it, it's it's changing tv uh i think for the better i mean tv has always sort of been like sort of looked down as you know just the same crap every week formulated and uh you know 30 minutes or let's be honest 20 minutes or so give or take with commercials, just, just the same shit over and over again. Um, well, and in the past, but I think that's few, changing in the past few years. I mean, I, I think we've seen this huge transformation with television in terms of just awesome content. I mean, a few years ago, yeah. you could say that, you know, pretty much everything was crap. There wasn't anything good on TV. Yeah. That's all completely changed. There's too much on TV now. I can't keep up with it all. I don't have time to watch all the stuff I want to watch. Well, well, well here's another. Yeah. Here's a, 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 oh, you no, go, buddy. Just, oh, sorry, man. I was just going to say, I think that has a lot to do with binge television, which is an entirely different topic we could yeah, talk yeah. about for hours. But please go ahead, Caleb. Oh, I was just going to say that, uh, and, and this is something that I've noticed with my own watching habits as well. When you have, <clears throat> pardon me, when you have so many like good quality TV shows floating around, I've found that I don't want to invest uh, much time into movies. Like, I'd, I'd much rather like look at a TV show and be like, it's only going to take 30 minutes to watch this, <laughs> and I don't really have to invest a whole hell of a lot of time. And and I'll and 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 also the fact that these stories with with these you know continual shows where the story just is forever you know you have seasons worth of story going on I mean it's it's easier for me to sit and watch something like that than to try to invest myself in a movie that's going to be you know an hour and a half and it's going to take up a big long chunk of my time and I try to invest myself in these characters immediately and enjoy them by the end and feel a connection you know it's kind of weird. It is. And a lot of people don't realize this um, as well. Uh, It's completely changing the way that television writers write. Um, You know, they're they're so used. They were used to writing an episode of a show and now they have to take the movie route and write in a complete arc within a season because they know that their audience is going to be watching, you know, two, three, four, five, twelve episodes in a row. Yeah, um, no doubt. It's completely changing 
the way that writers write as well. And uh, who would have saw that coming? I, I sure as hell didn't. And I'm a screenwriter myself. Um, so yeah, it's completely changing the art forms uh, for the, I personally think for the better, but um, that's yet to be seen. So I should have brought this up when uh, you were talking about the Clerk Chronicles, Caleb, but have either of you seen the preview for Johnny Depp's new movie, Transcendence? Oh, hell yeah. Multiple that, times. That looks uh, epic. It looks epic. I get <laughs> so excited when I see it. And I mean, the trailer doesn't really show very much, but it is awesome. So honestly, man, the, when I first saw the trailer for Transcendence, I was like, oh, shit. Because it, to me, it was just like it's it's making it's it's basically the first mainstream uh, proposal of singularity type right. ideas to to the to the masses, and yeah. it's honestly making it look absolutely terrifying. And I, I feel like Hollywood has a, an incredible knack for unrealistically demonizing technology because literally, <laughs> like it. it and, and I, I I bring this up all the time. Like I really think that Hollywood is about as good as as showing what happens with technology, and and our integration with it as they are at showing how realistic love is. Because if you look at any you know romantic comedy, it's it's horseshit. Like it never happens like that. Believe me, <laughs> I was on a date recently. It was stumbling at best. I know I'm a white guy, but it was stumbling at best. And like it never. It's not like that in the theaters, and it, and it just kind of pisses me off sometimes when we we demonize the thing that we also uh, allow to help us so much in our lives. So, Ryan, have you heard about about Transcendence at all? I have. Um, I, I don't know much about it. I do know um, on more of a gossipy level um, that this might be one of Johnny Depp's last movies yeah. and that he plans on retiring. Uh, yeah. Hopefully he will have gone out with a bang. Yeah. The last Pirates well, movies were not too no, I, I'm not very, up to my liking. That was first why watching the preview, I couldn't even tell what the show was about. I got really yeah. excited because I could tell it was a dramatic movie with Johnny Depp playing a different role and i've been so sad to see his past several roles because they're basically the same role and i don't right. like him in that role he's an amazing actor and this movie transcendence looks like the johnny depp movie i've been waiting for it looks amazing he looks so good in it and basically it's about a terminally ill scientist and like okay. they he dies and they put his consciousness into a computer Perfect. And, and then like he goes crazy and like tries to you know i guess grow with his uh you know capacity and taking over other computers and stuff so he becomes this like crazy mad machine but so it's basically a darker version of her yes exactly a darker (laughs) version of her or a more personalized version of terminator there we go I i think we can thank the uh sort of dark and depressing level of singularity to james uh james cameron for sure yep now, one thing that I thought was really cool in the trailer, from what I can assess, I think that they are starting to go into what is called the gray goo theory. Are either of you familiar with this? No. Uh, not unless it has something to do with the X-Files. No, well, maybe. I, uh, <laughs> I never saw anything about that in X-Files. I never actually uh, saw a whole hell of a lot of X-Files. But uh, basically it's the idea that self-replicating nanobots could uh, just keep uh, consuming materials on Earth and basically just 
des- destroy everything and devour the entire planet if they were not somehow stopped. And I think, uh, from what I can tell in the trailer, it seems to be gray uh, kind of clouds or, or globules of nanotechnology del- just dissolving these massive solar panels and stuff like that. So it's it's an interesting concept, and a lot of people think that it could be the end of the world, and a lot of people think that it's you know completely impossible to due to uh back doors and in the coding and all kinds of stuff like that but you know it's i think it's good to throw around some of these concepts and and realize some of the potential threats with our technology that's a yeah i mean that's a good point and i i want to pose a hypothetical to you guys um with this with all of this sort of singularity uh theories and whatnot do you think as a human race that we have somewhere deeply hidden or maybe not deeply hidden uh, some sort of kill switch for something like this. As far as what we could like build into the technology or like a biological kill switch. I'm going to say as far as the technology, I mean, is there a point where we measure, oh, the machines have outsmarted us as a species? Well, I mean, for for I would say the majority of the singularity community, a big part of the of the I think the two main cruxes of it all are the advancement of artificial intelligence or the dawn of artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and the dawn of uh, nanotechnology as to where you can infuse your body with ne- the- theoretically infuse your body with nanotechnology and uh, and potentially seamlessly integrate with the uh, the technological world and, and you know over time become more technological than biological. And uh, yeah, a lot of people think that's terrifying, uh, mm-hmm. and and potentially so. Uh, but you know, the and Amisu Kaku talks about this. He he feels that the only way that we can make sure that our artificial intelligence doesn't completely dominate us is to merge with it and and allow it to advance our uh, intelligence to superhuman abilities. You know, maybe that is the way. Maybe we're not supposed to transcend biology and we're supposed to die. But either way. You know the uh, the the trains on the track, and I think the technology's headed that way. So I think it's up to us right now to really start philosophically analyzing where we're supposed to go. The integration is inevitable. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, it's, it's, I agree. It's coming very soon. Awesome. Um, you know, I mean, it's starting. You know, on on not really a technological scale, but you know, we're starting with three D printing technology again. Back to three yeah. D printing. I mean, that is already creating body parts. You know, knee yes. replacements, bones, uh, skull caps. Somebody just had a, a 3D printed skull cap. Organ um, transplants. Organ it's crazy. Transpl- yeah, all that stuff. So we're getting, you know, body parts created by machines, but then integrating technology into it. I mean, wearable technology is the rave right now. And in the next year or two, we'll probably see uh, implantable wearable technology. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, stuff that's actually in your body that will, and it'll probably start on a, on a, sort of a fitness health level monitoring right. your, your vitals and stuff like that, but it's embedded in you. So you don't have to worry about it. Um, things to communicate with doctors where they can monitor you from wherever they are, because you've always got this thing inside your body. Um, but then, you know, bionic arms and limbs and things like that. I mean, it's, it's all going to come at such a rapid, rapid rate. I think within five years, um, I think some sort of blending with biology and, and technology is going to be quite common. Yeah, no, I mean, like, they already have, like, pea-sized cell or pea-sized nano uh, computers that they put into the heads of Parkinson's patients to help monitor their 
their um you know their their situation with the parkinsons that can feed uh information back to the doctors so you know i think it's it really is coming up pretty quick well and yeah. i think i think the wearable technology is really going to fuel a lot of that because the next step is to you know with like google glass you know, you have that where you always have like a, a camera and and uh, heads up display and everything else right in your eyeball, but you're wearing these ridiculous glasses. Well, the next step is to have it be a contact or something that you actually like have in your eyeball. Right. Um, you know, things like that. I think that's all going to come very fast. You know, you had the uh, teacher a couple years ago who implant surgically implanted a camera in the back of his head. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, you're gonna how did I not hear about that? More of that, I remember where that, yeah. you know people are going to be embedding technology in their skin voluntarily. It's it's already happening. So. Yeah, it was sort of a technological art uh, right. installation piece. I remember hearing about that. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of which, guys, don't let me look at Facebook ever right now because the season finale, the last episode ever of How I Met Your Mother, just <laughs> in, oh! just aired. And I am so terrified I'm not going to be able to see it before some jackass spoils it for me. Oh, don't, it's, it's going to get spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. God well, I want to, uh, <laughs> you know, we always have to talk about uh, the latest Star Wars news. And I talk more about uh, about Star Wars with Dan and the interview coming up. But mm-hmm. just today, it uh, another rumor came out about casting for Episode 7. Mm-hmm. And this one's about Peter Mayhew. Chewbacca. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, there there are rumors floating that uh, he is going to be making an appearance in episode seven, and uh, that I think stems primarily from a tweet uh, from Comic Comic Palooza uh, Con, and they they announced uh, by Twitter that Peter Mayhew had to cancel his appearance due to filming. So. That's leading people to believe that it's filming for episode seven. I will point out, however, that I think that's unlikely because Peter Mayhew, uh, while he's only, I think he's uh, 66, maybe he's in his 60s, um, maybe older than that, but he's, he's in his 60s, um, but he suffers from gigantism. And yeah. I know right, when you right. see him in pictures, he's always got a cane or he's in a wheelchair think he had uh knee replacement surgery so it would be a slow moving chewbacca <laughs> yeah um Peter, yeah, peter's I mean, awesome and if they can work him in that would be amazing for the fans you know that's a a nice little little geek thing there but uh yeah, yeah in terms of doing all of the chewbacca scenes i don't see it happening yeah, I mean, for purely nostalgic reasons, that would be incredible. But um, I think we're all prepared that this is going to be a completely new story. And uh, yeah, oh, I've maybe. got I've got the solution. It would be a complete reversal. You could have three PO carrying Chewbacca on his back. <laughs> <laughs> Chewbacca's all like shriveled up and old, <laughs> like a little a little Yoda. Or there could be the nice blend of technology there, and Chewbacca could like be in this like I don't know he could have wheels and stuff like with a chair built into him. I, I feel like I feel like <laughs> part that droid part Wookie. I feel like that happened somewhere along the way, and maybe I'm just insane, but I feel like I've seen like part droid Wookie before. What? Well, what? I know I I what? know that che- I know that Chewbacca <laughs> dies on one of the moons of uh, somewhere. Uh, no, spoiler don't alert. That. <laughs> But I mean, oh, do you guys know about the holocron? No. 
it's it's this giant uh, hard drive basically that is dedicated to the Star Wars database, and it and it keeps everything in complete chronological order throughout every single uh, novel that was that was written like officially licensed by LucasArts. Oh, nice! Oh, wow! And, and the only person that has the ability, well, had the ability to change it, was George Lucas. I don't know if that was written into the contract once mm. uh, he sold LucasArts to Disney, but uh, but yeah, man, like. Everything that ever has happened chronologically in in the Star Wars universe is in that thing, and there's like one or two guys that oversee it and make sure that it all stays chronologically accurate. That's insane. Oh, wow. I'm glad somebody's doing it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're on the subject of Star Wars, let's go ahead and move into the interview with Mr. Dan Madsen. I am thrilled to be hanging out with my friend Dan Madsen today. Dan, thanks so much for being on the show. Jason, thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to catching up here a little bit. And uh, it's been uh, quite a while since you and I have talked. And I want to, first of all, briefly talk a little little Star Wars with you. Because I, I know you uh, are a little bit of a, a Star Wars fan yourself. I am indeed. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I assume you've been following uh, the few developments here and there that have come out about Episode 7. That I have. I'm very familiar with it. And uh, how are you feeling about uh, the, the the casting news that we have so far? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, um, I have no issues with the casting news that's been rumored. Okay. Of course, there's nothing nothing has been officially announced yet by right. this Lucasfilm. <clears throat> so so uh, I'm hesitant to to say that you know. The casting news we've been hearing is absolutely official. While you know some has been, um, you know, has been said that it's you know the rumors are are very good. Until we actually hear it officially announced, they're just rumors still. Yeah. But of those rumors, I have no issues with the young actors that they're talking about as potential new cast members. Okay. If they come to fruition. Yeah. I wouldn't have any issues with any of them. In fact, I think that the the, the rumored choices are uh, very interesting. Interesting is a good way to put it. Yeah, I'll agree with you that way. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to see it actually announced. You know, that, that's the hardest thing as a fan is waiting the waiting game. Like, I want to oh, know it, now, and then we can complain after we know. But <laughs> well, you know, the the good thing is we don't have to wait much longer because the. Uh, they start shooting in May. Yeah, isn't that crazy? At Pinewood Studios in uh, in England, and um, you know, it has been announced that uh, this movie will take place thirty years after Return of the Jedi. So we know that uh, if Han, Luke, and Leia are coming back, that they'll be the right age <laughs> for what we're seeing in this, because you know, it takes place thirty years after uh, Jedi did. So. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I had heard initially that, you know, the movie could take place just a few years after Jedi and stuff. And I was thinking, well, I don't know how they're going to pull that off, quite frankly, with with uh, the three actors. But uh, right. now that they've officially come out, and this has been officially announced, that the movie takes place 30 years after Jedi. Um, that that makes me feel much better. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited to see how the storyline plays out. Um, and that certainly helps to make it seem more realistic. Um, if we do have Han, Luke and Leia, uh, you know, with their, their aging 
it yeah. sort of explains it. I, I talked recently about uh, the new Terminator movie that's going to start shooting with Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh, yeah. and uh, he went through the process of explaining how they're from the the film's standpoint, explaining why the Terminator looks the way he does because you know he's a machine, but he's he looks obviously older. That's so his right. explanation was, well, you know, it's a, a machine underneath, but it's human skin on a machine, so it ages just like <laughs> like human skin normally would. Good answer. So that's how they're working around that one. I like it. Yeah, they can come up with an excuse for it all. So, <laughs> so it makes sense, you know. And then, you know, Schwarzenegger, you know, I quite frankly, I wouldn't, I don't want to see another Terminator without him because he is the Terminator. So that's right. And, you know, Maureen and I and uh, and Caleb were actually recently talking. Uh, we talked last week on the show about Indiana Jones and how there were rumors about a new Indiana Jones. And we feel strongly the same way about the Indiana Jones franchise. There is no yeah. other Indiana Jones than Harrison Ford. Yeah, I. <clears throat> it's funny because um, I've I've been hearing people. I'm surprised that some have not been um, upset about it. I, I expected that there would be. I mean, and there is, don't get me wrong. For me, um, Indiana Jones is Harrison Ford. Yeah. Somebody made the comment that, you know, well, if you remember the, the television series, The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, yeah. um, there was different actors playing Indiana Jones in that. I mean, we had, you know, uh, um, um, what's his name? Sean Patrick Flannery played the young Indy. And then we had an older actor play the older Indy in several of those episodes. And then, of course, we had River Phoenix play the young Indy in right. uh, The Last Crusade. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, I mean, have we seen other actors play Indiana Jones? Yes, we have. Um, but, and, you know, I know that they're talking about, well, it could go the way of James Bond by having, you know, different actors playing Indiana Jones. It could you know, ensure that the, that the series could continue on and on yeah. and on through stories. I don't know, Jason, for me, for me, Harrison Ford is so integral to the role of Indiana Jones that I'm having a hard time imagining another actor playing him. Yeah. And of course, you know, the mention of Bradley Cooper, <laughs> I like Bradley Cooper. Don't get me wrong. I, I've enjoyed him in many different roles. I think he's a great actor, but I just can't see him as Indiana Jones and uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm not all for it. You know, I'm of the mind that come up with something new, but leave Indiana Jones alone. Don't try to recreate who Harrison Ford is because for me, he's one of a kind and I don't want to see him replaced. I agree wholeheartedly with you and I don't understand why that is such a challenge, but it seems to be coming up with something new. That that seems to be asking too much these days. Well, they paid a lot of money for all of the yeah was it from Lucas <laughs> so yeah. looking for ways to make that money back. And uh, you know, Indiana Jones is a tried and true commodity, and it's success, and people love him, love the character, and love the, the idea. And so uh, you know, I guess it comes down to the fact of is Indiana Jones bigger than just Harrison Ford? Can they take the concept, the character? And the world he lives in, pop another popular actor in that in that role, and continue that franchise on for years, you know, to come. And that's I'm sure what Disney is examining right now. 
because of the lack of uh, being able to come up with new ideas, I wouldn't be surprised here in the coming years if we see a Indiana Jones Star Wars crossover. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, you know, some sort of time travel thing, you know? Yes. He finds some sort of time travel thing in some ancient archaeological dig. It takes him into that galaxy a long time, far, far away, a long time ago. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. There, I, there I, you go, Dan. You just wrote it. Uh, exactly. There you go. There's <laughs> their storyline right there. There's straight. You know what? Stranger things have happened. That is absolutely true. Well, uh, have you been to? StarWars.com lately, the, uh, you know, right now March Madness is going on with NCAA basketball. Oh, yeah. And Star Wars for a couple of years uh, has done this. They've done their own tournament. They've got the bracket and, and they've got people matched up against each other from the Star Wars universe. That's always it, fun to watch. Exactly. Yeah, it is fun to watch, actually. I've always enjoyed it. Yeah. So I'm glad they're, they're continuing to do that. Oh, I wanted to ask you, did you happen to see... Uh, I haven't watched any more of it. I just watched the initial initial performance by uh, Billy D. Williams on Dancing with the Stars. Did you catch I, that? I, I, I've, all I've caught was his his first dance that he did with the Star Wars characters yes. all around him. I did do that. And I know he's had some very serious um, arthritic problems in his back and yeah. such. He can't move very well. Well, so he's, for had, him, he's had hip replacements and he's... Totally. Just turning, I think, 77 in April. For him to have the guts to get up there yes. and do that, you know, yeah, no, was he up there jumping around and doing twirls and twists? No, you know, but for him to even take on doing that shows real courage. And uh, he's such a nice guy. I've met him on so many occasions. I, I really hope Lando is in episode seven. I've heard rumors of it. No, there's no, there's no official, you know, confirmation of it yet, but I have heard rumors of at least a cameo but you know that's it's all going to start coming out here pretty soon being that we're you know only a month and a half or so away from them starting shooting have there been any rumors of a uh a dan madsen cameo <laughs> no 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 dan madsen cameo this time around oh that's too bad you gotta work on that yeah i know i know i just i'm so busy with other things that i i, I don't have the time to push that, but I'm sure they're not thinking of it either. That's the last thing on their mind. <laughs> well, it's one of the first on mine, just so you know. Ah, uh, you're a you're a true. <laughs> well, speaking of your your busyness and other things, let's talk about her universe and yeah. some really exciting stuff going on with this company. I am so much in love with this company, so much so that you know I hate not being a woman because of it. Uh, <laughs> so for for people listening who aren't familiar with her universe. Uh, let us know what Her Universe is. Well, Her Universe is the very first uh, fashion line for female fans of science fiction and fantasy. Um, it's been, it was founded by Ashley Eckstein. It was the brainchild, I should say, of Ashley Eckstein, who was an actress, uh, entrepreneur, and the voice of Ahsoka Tano on Star Wars The Clone Wars. Um, and she... Founded the business with her partner, business partner, the Araka Group, um, who is a theatrical production and brand management company. And they started in 2010, and I was on board with them before that, um, helping as a consultant to get uh, the ideas out there of what to do and who to market to and how to reach to the fans. And uh, so, at any rate, it's the as I said, it's the very first uh, line of female uh, fashion apparel for fangirls and. Uh, we now have licenses for Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, 
The Walking Dead, Doctor Who, and we have a couple of big licenses we're going to be announcing here shortly. But the big thing that we're working on that was just announced about a week ago is uh, Ashley has been working on this concept for about two years now, and that is the very first ever um, geek couture fashion show at this year's San Diego Comic-Con. This has been huge news. It has been. Yeah, it's been covered in all of the major media and in the local medias and such. And uh, it's it's a big deal because what it is is essentially um, it's it's going to be July 24th at the um, Hyatt Hotel, which is just a uh, stone's throw away from the San Diego Convention Center. And um, they have a really cool bar at the very top, too. Do they? I, I, it's called top, I, top of the Hyatt, and it gives you a great view of San Diego Bay. Well, I'll be finding that out this summer. So, no sorry, sorry to uh, jump in there, but I figured you might want to know that. Oh, I definitely want to know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be uh, busy and stressed, so I'll need a, a, a reprieve from everything. Yeah, I bet. Uh, but at any rate, yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be a huge event, um, and it's all based around a fashion design contest that we currently have going right now, um, whereby anyone, whether they're a designer uh, or not a designer, can submit their designs for anything that's celebrated at San Diego Comic-Con. It could be fantasy, science fiction. It can be based on a TV show or movie they love, or it can be their own original concept. Um, they can submit their sketches, their designs, or if they even have the, the, the fashion already made, they can submit pictures. Um, and Ashley and a team will be judging which 30 they will choose to be shown um, to walk the runway, I should say, at the fashion show on July 24th during Comic-Con. And uh, the winner, two winners actually, there's going to be a judge's um, choice and a audience choice, will get the opportunity to have um, to design a uh, fashion line with Ashley for retailer Hot Topic. And there's a cash prize as well. Um, so it's kind of like a real opportunity to step your foot into the whole uh, fan apparel world and and make your mark on it. And um, if anybody wants, it's listening to this, wants to uh, to um, submit their designs or find out all about the rules and and get more details, they can just go to heruniverse.com and they'll see right there. The very first thing they'll see is the uh, the page they can click on to go to the uh, design competition details and it's it's all there for them this is such an exciting project and uh and i love how broad it is too how it's not just narrowly focused on uh, sci-fi you know because comic-con as you mentioned is this entire universe in itself where absolutely everything is represented everything yeah so this is this is great and uh Are there plans to, uh, as this is going on, is it going to be um, either streamed or, or recorded on video at all? It is. Um, Nerdist uh, Industries, who uh, comedian Chris Hardwork, Hardwick, excuse me, who started the, um, the Nerdist uh, site along with their podcast and such. The Nerdist uh, Empire, yes. The Nerdist Empire, exactly <laughs> right. They're gonna. They're our partner in this event, and they're going to be um, rec- filming the entire event for uh, distribution on the internet. Um, and Hot Topic is our other partner, who obviously is 
going to be working with us uh, to design the line that for the finalists who are chosen and then sell it and all the hot topic retail chains and online and all of that good stuff. So yes, people will be able to watch it uh, if they're not able to attend the event in San Diego. Well, this is so exciting. I can't wait to see it all unfold. And I, I do hope it's a su- successful event. I mean, I don't see why it wouldn't be. The press on this thing has been huge. I know people are really excited about it. So I wish you guys luck with it. And Thank you. Uh, I'll, I think I'm going to have to have you on the show again afterwards. And, Absolutely. you know, the, the, we'll discuss the aftermath and I'll, I'll check in with you and see how everything went. Yeah, well, and then you can also see uh, who the finalists were and what they chose to uh, to design their geek couture outfit around. That's and, right. Uh, you know, and, and we've had discussions with San Diego Comic-Con to do this as an annual event. So uh, meaning that this is the first one and the hope is that this will be an event that happens every year at San Diego Comic-Con going forward. That'd be awesome. All right. Well, we'll have to see how it's received. I think it'll be received well. And, Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, awesome. Dan, thank you so much for hanging out today. I'll catch up with you again soon because we never have a shortage of things to talk about. <laughs> but I really appreciate it today, man. Thanks so much. Always happy to talk with you. All right. Take care, Dan. You too. Have a good one. All right. Thanks again to Dan. That was a lot of fun. And man, those guys are going to have so much fun at Comic-Con. Really, really uh, love her universe and what they're doing. So we wish them luck. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Rogue Planet podcast. Remember, you can always go to rogueplanet.tv for the latest geeky news. And on behalf of my friends, Caleb Hanks and Ryan Sprague, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next time. Good night, everybody. Later.